from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast, Wednesday, October 25th, 2023, live on your favorite social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, now X, Twitch, and Rumble. Thank you for everyone for tuning in this morning. We've got a very, very packed show today, so we're going to get into it here in just a moment. But before we do, have you guys heard of our brand new espresso drinking beverage vessel? It's amazing. It's awesome. And it's all yours. That's right. If you go to jamesazar.substack.com, you subscribe. And that link's in the show notes. You subscribe. We'll be sending you one of these awesome, awesome espresso drinking mugs for you to enjoy. So. There you go. You've got it. Now you know it. And without further ado, I've got my double espresso in one of these beautifully U.S. American-made mugs. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. That is a U.S.-made mug, by the way, um, made in California, of all places. So without further ado, let's go ahead and kick off this morning's show with more fallout from the Okta breach. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about OnePass coming forward and saying that it detected suspicious activity, but there was no real breach for that end. Um, that's on the um, Okta side, uh, one password side. But then Cloudflare for their end are saying that they've also seen activity there and uh, published their own blog on Friday. They've notified customers that they too were affected. Um, criminals tried to attack their systems on October 18th using an authentication token compromised at Okta. They're verified that no Cloudflare uh, customer information or systems were impacted by this event because of the rapid response. If you're asking yourself why, good policies in Okta helped both of those companies avoid something that could have been much, much greater. Again, with identity being the new endpoint, criminals are are, are kind of still going towards that uh, almost like phishing link, phishing email type of attack where, where those used to be very, very effective. Now that they're not, now they're trying to grab credentials. Then from credentials, they're trying to get access to the environment. And, you know, if you manage your active directory correct, if you invest in managing identity correctly, if you set the right policies, you set up the right alerts, you understand how your your team interacts with technology, then you're able to put a stop to it. That's what happened with both 1Password and Cloudflare. Credit to them. Also credit to Okta. Credit to Okta. Yes, they've gone through an additional breach, but this could have been much worse. This could have been much, much worse. The fact is Okta had an, a system and an environment that allowed you to set policies. These customers used set policies in order to mitigate and identify risks. And when they did, they pounced on it right away and they stopped it at, at, at the point. And folks, ladies and gentlemen, I know the, uh, this is what the uh, headline says, but um, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to, give it back uh you got to give some credit now i know i realize people are a little bit pissed uh, at okta and obviously cloudflare and one pass have both uh launched some criticism towards okta which is again expected should be there but guys at the end of the day security worked here it limited the impact of the breach and at some point we have to look at this from that perspective yes all these things happened. Yes, they're very bad. It could have been much worse. It could have been much, much worse. With the right policies, the right people, and there it is. 
you, you've got it there, right? So uh, I, I realize the whole Okta thing, you know, th they're, they're going to have some recovery to do, but and trust to earn, and they should have. But at the same time, this could have been much worse for both Cloudflare and OnePass, and it wasn't. No customer information was compromised. No IT systems were compromised. They were able to detect it, put an end to it right off the bat. So there's that. Now, VMware is warning admins of a public exploit for a vRealize RCE flaw. This one is warning customers. Uh, VMware started warning customers on Monday that the proof of concept exploit code is now available for the authentication bypass flaw. In the vRealize log inside, also known as uh, VMware Araya operation for log, the updated VMSNA to note that the VMware has uh, confirmed that exploit code for CVE 2023-34051 has been published. Um, and so successful exploitation hinges on the attacker compromising a host within the targeted environment and processing permissions to add an extra interface or static IP address, according to Horizon 3. Security researchers also released an additional POC exploit in a list of IOCs that network defenders could use to detect exploitation attempts within their environment. All of this was posted, uh, posted on the Horizon 3 attack team X account, formerly known as Twitter. So... The vulnerability is also a bypass for uh, exploit chain of critical flaws patched by VMware in January. Um, and so this is a series of those. Uh, VMware has uh, released mitigation and patches for these, and you want to make sure you address those as well. And again, this POC exploit release for both of those is significant. The reason for that is because now we're seeing one uh, for Citrix as well. So Horizon 3 for their end are really kind of digging deep on this one. Also talking about the Netscaler ADC and Gateway that we talked about yesterday. All of those uh, are, are uh, really active now and you want to make sure that if you haven't patched them, whatever the case may be, this is a now high priority patch it. Multiple proofs of concepts for exploits, meaning if we know them, our adversaries do and they're manipulating them. They've dubbed the Citrix exploit a Citrix bleed as well. So there's that. The FAIR Institute wants to quantify just how much a cyber attack really costs. For those who don't know the FAIR Institute, a really, really awesome risk management organization. Um, I've attended several of their events over the years. I, I really love the work they're trying to do in terms of having maturity around risk to a place where you can report it to the board effectively and this, you know, take it for what it is. Um, but what how material is the hack and and the fair institute conference that's that's ongoing now talked about mgm caesars johnson controls clorox and progressive leasing their tool estimates that the five incidents will result in, in result in primary and secondary costs of 663 million dollars their founding partner safe security which runs an online calculator said more data and resources will be added on an ongoing basis but how material is that hack is an online resource that's available and it's really a Again, this kind of goes to the idea we often see as practitioners these headlines, right? And and completely agree. A breach now costs four point seven million dollars. A breach costs five million dollars, six million dollars. Anyone who's ever been through an incident knows the breach doesn't end at five or six million dollars. The breach doesn't end at your twenty million dollar or thirty or fifty million dollar cyber insurance policy. The breach is typically a whole lot more than that. The reason for it is you're you're. Un, you, you've got to understand, look at what Progressive is having to go to, a Progress software, sorry, not Progressive, I, I repeat, Progress software. Look what they have to go to because of the Move It 
uh, situation. They've got multiple class action lawsuits, multiple. They have multiple customers leaving, running from them. They've lost revenue and they're getting sued. So their expenses have jumped up and their revenue is, is probably coming down significantly. Also, they've got to invest in hardening their environments. They've got to hire more people. They've got to buy more software. They had to pay for incident response. Cyber insurance covered part of it. But there's a damage that's been done there that really can't be, you can't measure it at the end of a quarter. It's not something that can go into your EBITDA or anything like that. This is something that's really there for practitioners. The FAIR Institute's offering to give us some risk, which is, and some calculators that really help us quantify when we're talking to our CFOs, when we're talking to people who uh, can influence our budget and our direction and our oversight into what the real impact to the business is. When you think of $663 million, the average first and secondary cost, that's a lot of money. And some companies don't survive that. And the ones who do go through it, and especially now with these uncertain economic times, high inflation, it's easier to invest a little bit of money to mitigate risk rather than the other way around. It's really important to look at this. Again, everything's in the show notes. I recommend people take a look at it. FAIR does an unbelievable job for many practitioners in helping them get this done. Rockwell Automation is warning customers of an impact of the actively exploited Cisco iOS XC zero-day vulnerability in their Stratix industrial switches. The unidentified attackers have been exploiting these zero-day vulnerabilities tracked to CVE 2023-2019 or 8 and 2023 They've created high-privilege accounts on affected devices and deploy a LOA base implant that gives them complete control of the system. Rockwell informed customers last week that Stratix 5800 and 5200 series managed industrial Ethernet switches, which use the Cisco IOS XE operating systems, are affected. The devices are only impacted if the IOS XE web UI feature is enabled, and that's something you want to double check with your network engineer if you are using these. Since it was published before the discovery of the second zero day, Rockwell's advisory does not mention anything about CVE 2023-20273, which attackers have been using to deliver the implant. However, the flaw also impacted the same software, which means it's likely impacting those switches as well. Uh, Rockwell says there's no patches available, but obviously uh, there are some workarounds. You can see those in the show notes and you want to make sure you address those. Russian hackers are exploiting the Rancube Zero Day to steal government emails. The Winter Vivrian Russian group has been exploiting a Rancube webmail Zero Day in attacks targeting EU government entities and think tanks since at least the 11th of October. The Roundcube development team released security updates fixing the uh, stored cross-site scripting vulnerability CVE 2023-5631, which was reported by ESET on the 16th. Uh, These security patches were pushed five days ago after the company detected Russian threat actors using the zero-day in real-world attack. The cyber espionage group TA-473 used HTML email messages containing carefully crafted SFG documents to remotely inject arbitrary javascript code their phishing messages impersonated the outlook team and tried to trick potential victims into opening malicious emails automatically triggering a first stage payload that exploited the email server vulnerability so russia on the move there as well according to sentinel labs the group's objectives closely aligned with interests of both belarus and russia so um there's that as well and our final story for this morning y'all a former nsa employee faces life in prison after an espionage attempt that would have benefited Russia and harmed the U.S. Former NSA employee Jara Daleke has pleaded guilty on six counts after his transmission of classified government materials 
in an espionage attempt while working as an information system security designer in the summer of 2022. Dalke used an encrypted email to transmit to transmit three documents to someone he believed was a Russian Federation agent in an attempt to display his legitimate access and willingness to share. In truth, the alleged Russian agent was a covert FBI employee. The information shared contained national defense information. Dalka requested $85,000 for sharing the classified information, claiming it would be of value to Russia. He then transferred five more files, four containing top-secret NDI, by following instructions provided by the covert FBI employee. The fifth file contained a letter reading, My friends, I'm very happy to finally provide you this information to you. I look forward to our friendship and shared benefit. Please let me know if there are any desired documents to find. And I will try when I return to my main office. He was arrested by the FBI after the second transfer. He admitted as part of his plea deal that he transferred these files, believing the information would benefit aid Russia and harm the U.S. He faces a maximum of life in prison. Put him in, throw away the keys, keep him there. Quite okay. And we should probably do a better job running background checks on people who get this type of access. Just saying. That might be a healthy thing there as well. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more right here live. Go get your mug right now at jamesazar.substack.com. Till then, have a great rest of your day, y'all, and stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.